Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. We will make Jesus famous. Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, man, this is this is service number one of fifty-two this year. So, like, we're gonna get after it. I'm excited. Uh, first of all, man, we ended last year. Uh, on a freaking bang. Uh, we had eight different communicators that spoke. Can we just give it up for them? Did a phenomenal job of uh, of answering, um, you know, man, what did Jesus do for me last year? Like, like, what were the things he challenged me with? And what were the things that, that, um, that I struggled with? And, and how did the Lord bring me through? And, and here was our prayer. Our prayer was that hopefully it, it caused something in you to be excited and challenged for 2024. Um, but again, man, they crushed it. So um, this year, man, we're going to start off. We're going to do three weeks of We Are That Church. <laughs> um, just because uh, we're that church. Um, we get called that church. It's funny. We used to be the church nobody heard about. Now we're that church. I'm not even sure. Like, yeah, like I'm not upset about it. But, but oh, you're that church. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, not everything you're going to hear about us is true, uh, but a lot of it is. Can we just say that? Uh, a, a lot of it that you're going to hear about is is 100% true. Um, so uh, really the first major thing that we got in trouble for and we became that church uh, was during the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, I got tired of hearing about COVID. Um so uh, back then they were calling it the coronavirus. Anybody remember that? So we had T-shirts made that said, I'm done with Corona. I'm moving to Rolling Rock at Easter. And we've labeled them like beer, beer logos and then had like an empty tomb on them. I thought it was funny. A lot of sinners thought it was really funny. They're like, what does your shirt say? And then I'm like, you're welcome. Um, a lot of church people did not like it at all. Um, uh, then we got labeled uh, the skinny jeans church. And just for defense, there are only about three of us. I'm one of them that wear skinny jeans. I don't wear skinny jeans. I wear skinny jeans because I don't have a butt or legs. And they make me look proportional. So, like, it's not a fashion statement. It's just a dance with who you took to the prom. Like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not, everybody right now is going, yeah, you do have really small legs. Don't judge me. I'm working on it. But, but. Um, then uh, we got an outcry of emails when off the cuff, which I still stand by this, we were in a series about don't take the bait. And I said, don't make dumbass decisions. Um, because here, here, was the, here was the context of that, that if you, if you bass fish in North Carolina, you throw purple worms, green worms, silvery worms, you, you, uh, all this crazy stuff that doesn't look anything like any worms or snakes we have in North Carolina. Is that fair? So somewhere, and this is in my defense, there is a dumb bass that goes after something that doesn't look real, which really isn't totally different than the way we do with the devil, right? Like he throws stuff out there, and we chase stuff that isn't real all the time. So not only do they make dumb bass decisions... And so we got tons of emails on that. Um, we got in trouble uh, for playing secular music at 90% of the events we do and from stage. Um, okay, we, we, we're that church. 
Um, so here's the question is, is what a lot of people think is that these are random or careless acts. And, and if you want to know the truth, uh, we don't have a bunch of boards or anything like that, but we do have leadership teams uh, and we talk a lot and we're very strategic with what we do. Very few things in our church happen by accident. Uh, we play secular music on purpose during church events and during um, other events, because here's the thing. We, we, part of our, our, our mission is to know. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. We Have you ever been introduced or, or had somebody try to tell you, my wife's notorious about this, she goes, oh, uh, do you remember Jill? <laughs> no. We ran into a friend of hers from high school that evidently I ran into multiple times. It's, she just doesn't leave a lasting mark, evidently. But she's like, she, no, judge that how you want to. you got those people in your life. She goes, hey, you remember her? And I'm like, no, I don't. She's like, yeah, you do. We ran into her at, at Harrison's like a month ago. And I'm like, yeah, 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 you remember. She's the one who her husband. Not ringing a bell. Or what's worse, have you ever had somebody try to mention somebody to you that you thought you knew? And you start agreeing that you know them, but then when they show up, there's somebody totally different. You're like, hey, you know that friend? You know my friend that's coming over? Um, um, you know the one? He's got black hair. He's a little iffy, but he's a good dude, right? Like, and your wife's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him. But then when he shows up, your wife's like, get him out of my house. He, right? Or she starts talking about one of her girlfriends. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a good girl. And then when she shows up, you're like, no, nah, wrong friend. Wrong friend. Wrong friend. My worst one was when uh, my my wife and I uh, we were trying to date, um, and so uh, we had some some relatives that were trying to set us up. So he began to explain me to her, and she's like, "Oh, I know that guy," and no, because there was a guy who by description looked like me, but was not like me. Fair enough. Like, you know, like, there are a lot of dudes who have brown hair, brown eyes. There are a lot of six foot tall dudes. There are a lot of hundred pound people. Back then it was. Now it's like two, whatever. Anyway, my point is, is that when, when we showed up at this event, she, after we talked for a few minutes, she goes, oh, you were not at all who I thought you were. Like, I came under protest to this event because I thought you were him. And here's what I wonder. I wonder if people don't show up to church because they don't really know the Jesus of the Bible. They only know the Jesus of the church. Because here's what I'm convinced. They're not the same dude. The Jesus of the, of the church, a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with. But the Jesus of the Bible, that's a dude I could hang with. Like I was doing this this study this week, and I figured, don't hold me to this number, right? Because I'm gonna I'll do a video post of it through the week on social. But um, Jesus took I think it was twelve vats and turned water into wine. First miracle, right? Was equal to like two hundred nine bottles of wine. What? That'll get you kicked out of ninety percent of the churches in the U.S. Like what Jesus did, and then like. Anyway, I'm, I'm just going to stop. But the, but the Jesus of the... Jesus calls His disciples. 
And he starts with this. It's like the biggest. Has anybody ever fished on the beach? North Carolina. You're out there and you're fishing. You got your bucket. You got your pole and you're fishing, right? And somebody, and somebody walks up to you. And what's the first question they're going to ask you? Catch anything? And the first time, you're really cool with it, right? You're like, no, I just got here, blah, blah, blah. By the 12th person that walks by, you just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> now watch, 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 watch. When Jesus called Simon Peter, they fished all night. What did they catch? Big goose egg. Jesus walks up, a carpenter. They're out mending their nets. And what does he lead off with? Catch anything? Think he was the first dude who asked that? These were commercial fishermen. When a commercial fisherman doesn't catch anything, it's a bad day. Did Jesus ask if they caught anything because he didn't know? Which means Jesus was messing with them. In a few minutes, they're going to catch so many fish that it's going to swamp the entire fleet of boats. They're not going to be able to get them in, right? Or they, they do get them in, but like under protest of the ocean. But Jesus walks up and basically just screws with these guys. Why? Because it's funny. And the only person that's going to know what's funny is going to be him for about 20 minutes. See, that's the Jesus that I like. I like the, I like the Jesus who does stuff that people tell him not to do. Like Jesus goes to heal this guy or, or forgive this guy of his sins and, and the church gets on him. And like, you can't do that. You can't. And Jesus goes, well, 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 is it easier to forgive his sins or just tell him to get up? So not only does he forgive his sins, he tells him to get up his mat and leave. Like, Jesus goes, oh, I was, I'd just come here thinking I was going to forgive him of his sins. But since you brought it up, how you like me now? Because if you want to know the tr truth, Jesus was known as that guy by everybody. Either He was that guy who does some really cool stuff, or He's that guy who screws everything up and really shouldn't even be around here. He's that guy who didn't look like what the church wanted Him to look like, and honestly didn't look like what the, what the, the nation of, of Israel wanted Him to look like, the Jewish people. But He looked like exactly what God called Him to be. And so, so in this, I, I couldn't help but think, uh, Malcolm X, um, is, in, in his rally on June 28, 1964, makes a statement, and, and I don't agree with all of his statement, I'll qualify it in just a second, but he says this, that, that they had to bring civil rights um, into practice by any means necessary. Now, here's where we disagree. Malcolm X would burn the house down, right? Like, I'm not advocating that we spread the gospel by, by terrorist acts. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that, that Malcolm X was so sold out to the movement of, of equality that he would do anything it took to bring it to pass. And I just wonder in this culture if we're really sold out to bringing our commission to pass. Now, I'm going to read two versions. This Mark 16, 15 through 16 says this. It said, And he said to him, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Uh, the, the message Bible reads it this way. It says, uh, "Go into, uh, or as you go into all your world, because I'm not going to the whole world. <laughs> Look, 
If it's cold, I'm out. Somebody say amen. I got up, it was 38 degrees this morning. I was like, ooh, it feels pretty good out here. You know why? Because it's penguins were running around my backyard a couple of days ago. I don't like it. But here's the thing. A commission defined by Webster says this, an instruction or command, a duty given to a person or a group of people. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's kind of close. But then he goes on and says this, the second definition is a group of people officially charged with a particular function. Our function is to make Jesus famous. The real Jesus. And, and so when people call us that church, I kind of feel like they're going that Jesus. Because the Jesus that people talk about, if you go read the book of John, and I, I would challenge you to do that this week, is just to start reading through John and, and look at how different Jesus is from some of the things you've, you've even been taught. Jesus was crazy and funny. There's so much not written that Jesus did and said. I mean, even one of the, 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 the uh, authors of the Bible said, man, if you wrote ev down everything Jesus did, I suppose the, all the books in the world couldn't contain what He did. And not all of it was holy. None of it was unholy. But some of it was just funny. Like, Jesus, you can't say that in public. I wonder if, if the, what the world is really looking for is the real Jesus that's coming back. Here's what I personally believe. I believe that we're at the end of the end of time. Like, like we're so close to the rapture of the church, it's not funny. My problem is, is I wonder if a lot of people will recognize the Jesus who shows up. And two, will they have done anything for Him? So, so Scripture says that we're, there's going to be the the uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb, like all the saints are around a table, right? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Can you imagine like Paul sitting across from me? He's like, yeah, I got shipwrecked like four or five times. I got snake bit. I got beat. I got thrown into prison. I got shanked. I don't know what all happened to Paul, right? I, you're right. And, 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 and. Peter is talking about how he, he, he was a martyr for Christ and, and, and you run into other people who like have sacrificed all this stuff and then they get, here's my fear, right? They get to me and they're like, so tell me, what'd you do? And I'm like bowing up and I'm like, one time I handed a guy a card. But it wasn't laminated. You ever seen a wannabe thug? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm gangster. I went to a private school. <laughs> right? Anybody remember Eight Mile? That's what that's all about. My point is, my point is, is, is man, it, we've got to introduce Jesus to the real version because God left us with this commission, this, this mandate, and He's like, man, I've, I charged you to do this. Like, this is your mission. And then it goes on and it says this in, in Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20. It's just another interpretation of, of the same thing. It said, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountains which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. You ever worship and doubted at the same time? And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth is to be given to me. 
Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always. And I love verse 20. It says, he says this, he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. In other words, teach them what I've taught you. That's all God asks you to do. Teach them what I've taught you. It don't have to be slick. It doesn't have to be polished. Just teach them what I taught you. Anybody ever taught you something and went like, now I'm not 100% sure this is right, but it'll work. Anybody ever heard this? Like you graduated from a particular school, a trade school or, a, or, 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 or whatever vocational school, and you get ready to do something, they're like, now the book's going to tell you to do it this way. But out in the field, here's how you do it. Here's the thing. Not everybody needs a textbook teacher. Some people just need to go, look, man, here's how it is. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Let me tell you what that means. I was out here doing my own thing, and my life was spinning out of control. But then I, I got close to Jesus, and I found a, a, a true north, and stuff started making sense. I'm going to tell you everything that I was taught when the right season for you to hear it is. Does this make any sense? But I'm going to look for the right season. Because you'll talk yourself out of a season of sharing Jesus with somebody in a minute. I talked to somebody today and they went, hey, I had two wins this week and I'm going to tell you one of them. I'm not going to tell you both. But they were like, yeah, I will. I'll tell you both. So they got one of the cards from the back. You know, you can sit with me and they signed their name. So I passed one of those out. It's like, and then I was at work and I changed the station to Caleb and nobody's caught it yet. Okay, now hold on. That's a little gangster in today's culture. Like, watch this. Covert ops. <laughs> K-Love. Does this make sense? Like, that's missionally driven. Like, I'm not, change, I'm not changing the world, but I'm changing my part of the world, and that's all I'm called to. But now think about that, ta that conversation at the table. What'd you do? <laughs> Let me tell you something, Paul. I snuck. <laughs> God didn't call me to sneak, sneak into China, but, but I snuck into the break room. I found the dial and I affected Jesus where I could. See, sometimes it's not about, it's not about these massive things. It's about consistent things. You ever notice when you start doing anything, it's weird? Like for the, start eating good is weird. Start going to the gym, it's weird. Start talking nice to your family. It's weird. Start going to church. Get up every Sunday and decide you're going to go to church. It's weird, man. You're like, you know what else I could be doing? I could be sleeping. I could be sleeping. I could be sleeping. I could do laundry if you're a woman. If you're a guy, I could be sleeping. No, it's fair because dudes very rarely do laundry. There's a reason for that. We jack it up. Everything goes in the machine till that motor's grinding. We're not even, it's not even full. I stood up on the washer one time with my foot. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing about that part. You know that agitator in the middle is going, oh, oh. anyway. So, so here's the reality is that, that when we start to change, it doesn't seem natural. But here's another thing to think about is if you don't change the world, the world will never change. 
We have a generation right now that that has bought into sexualized identity lies. They've bought into family lies. They've bought into financial lies. They they are. We literally are watching a generation float at sea, lost. Now, here's what we want to do. We want to be the old people and yell at them to get off our lawn. I can't believe this generation. My back in my day, first of all, it ain't your day anymore. And second of all, they're acting that way because we stopped doing what we were supposed to. Come on, somebody witness to yourself. Uh, uh, we got a couple that are in here tonight getting ready to have a kid. They're going to raise their kid with some sense in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's what Scripture says. It's a man. Raise your kid with this, this biblical moral compass so that when they get older, they don't go stupid. We're, no, no, no. I'm not picking on anybody. But there is a stupid generation that's out there. No, no, no. Listen. That's not, listen. That's not everybody. The 60s was a stupid generation. They weren't gender. Uh, most of them weren't uh, confused in their gender. They were just confused in sexuality and drugs. Uh, a lot of people were using LSD as a way to contact heaven. Well, that ain't the way you contact heaven. That'll give you a supernatural experience. It's just demonic. Does this make sense? But but here's the thing. I, I don't look at, at people that, that are confused as the enemy of the gospel. They're the reason for the gospel. Because here's the thing. Some of us were having sex outside of marriage before we came into the faith, but then we want to criticize somebody in a homosexual relationship. Both are sin. Scripture said, look, don't go try to dig a plank out of your neighbor or splinter out of your neighbor's eye when you've got a, a big old plank sticking out of yours. See, that's Jesus of the Bible, not Jesus of the church. If, if you're gossiping about all the people rolling around doing that stuff and you're condemning them, then maybe you're part of the problem. Because Jesus never saw sinners as the enemy. He saw them as the reason. I came to seek and save that which is lost. Listen, I hope our church has tons of folks that are wrestling with sexuality, even homosexual. Um, I hope that people that come to our church are drug addicts and, and, and they're, they're, they're CEOs of companies that, that, that have lost the meaning of life. And I hope that, that we have divorced people that are here. And I hope that we have people that are, that are married but are on their last breath of marriage. I hope that we have people that come here that are sick and need God to touch them supernaturally. Like, like this is a hospital. The point of our church is, is to be a light in a dark world. Here's the thing. If you disagree with anything that I say, it's okay. I love you. Unequivocally. I disagree with you, but I love you. Here's what the Bible said. Man, the world doesn't change if we stay quiet. Luke 24, 46-47. He said to them, Thus it's written that Christ should suffer on the third day and rise from the dead and repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. That's Luke 24, 46 through 47. Here's, here's the reality. Jesus said, look, I'm coming to die so that people can be saved. From what? Anything that's sinful. Because here's the thing. Once you stop sinning in one area, you're going to figure out you're still sinning in another. 
there is not a landing pad of perfection. It's one of the problems I have with, with people that, that look at me as a pastor. Look, I love Jesus with all my heart and I'm in passionate pursuit of Him. But I don't have all my junk together. Hang around me enough, you'll find out the parts that I don't. Now that's either going to disillusion you or it's going to give you hope. Look, but Jesus died not so that I could be perfect, but that I could be forgiven. And that the stuff I struggle with, that either I'll overcome it, or He'll give me grace because of it. Anybody ever wrestle with something for a year? Anybody ever wrestle with something for 15 years? Anybody ever wrestle, I, I'm going to date myself, 30 years? And <laughs> it got quiet. Yeah, that, that's, Pastor, you're on your own now. Um, listen, there are things that took me literally decades to break the habit of. Now, here's what I'm, I'm totally, should I have died or the Lord have come back? I would have gone to heaven. Not be, because where sin abounds, so much more does my grace abound. That's not an excuse to go do whatever you want to. What it is, is it's forgiveness for you to wrestle with something. Anybody ever, anybody ever smoked? No, not us. Not us. No, we go. We're Christians. Okay. Smoke, dip, chew, ran around with women who do. You know what I'm talking about? Here's the thing. Most people that quit smoking, I had a relative. I'm like, you ever think about quit smoking? I can quit anytime I want to. I've already quit like 12 times. You get it? I had another friend of mine go, I thought about going to AA, but I'm no quitter. Um <laughs> Not a, I'm not advocating it, but it's funny. The point of it is, is most people that smoke will lay cigarettes down 10 or 15 times. It, it's struggled to break the addiction. It doesn't mean that they don't have the heart to break the addiction. I know, I know a young man who died from a drug overdose. He loved Jesus. He just wrestled with drugs. And he would go for periods where he was clean and then he'd fall back into it. That's not a, that's not a love Jesus issue. That's a, that's a wrestle of life issue. And like, I'm not condoning that, but I'm just saying that, man, sometimes we have to give the freedom and the grace that Jesus gave, not the condemnation that we've seen the church give. Is it possible for me to look at you and go, hey, you got a limp, but you're still in the faith? Is it possible for me to look at you and go, look, you don't have all your junk together because I don't have all my junk together. The only one that has all of his junk together is Jesus. And because he suffered and died as a spotless lamb, as somebody who never committed a sin, that's the hope that we need. So that when we share that, that truth with the people around us, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. No, it's not. It's full of wounded people. It's like not going to the hospital because there's sick people there. It's like not going to a nursing home because there are old people there. Like, who needs to go to church? The wounded, the sinner, the broken, the people that are trying to be those three or four things, right? Like, I don't come here because I've got, because this is my chance to show everybody how holy I am. It's my chance to look at people and go, Man, the only reason I'm held together by super glue and Jesus. Like, God has literally just put all these broken parts of my life that I self-destructed back together. Here's my belief. That if He can do it for me, I feel like Paul, the chief among sinners, then He can do it for you. He can do it for anybody. Because I, I was at this war with God that I didn't even really realize. Wasn't even sure that I believed in God. And if, and if, there, if I could believe in a God, I wasn't sure that anybody could tell me who God really was. Then I started reading the God of the Bible that like loved people like me. Actually, Jesus spent 
99.9% of his time talking to people like me and only about 1% talking to people that go, that you would call a Christian or that would go to a church. Jesus is like, y'all make me mad. These broken people, they tend to be open to me. I love this. He said, man, for the repentance of sins. Here's the other thing, and, and I'm wrapping up with this, is that regardless of how you were brought up in a faith tradition or lack of faith tradition, right? So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, people have one of a couple of things. Either they have no idea what I'm talking about, or they have one of two preconceived ideas about what I'm talking about. There's one version that, there's one group of people that put tons and tons of emphasis on who and what the Holy Spirit is. And some people try to act like they don't know who he is. You ever had that relative where you're like, they're here, but if I don't have to talk to them, I won't, right? The reality of it is, is this. In Acts 1.8, it says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Here's always been the question. Why do people have the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, moving on their life? Here's the answer. Because anything that doesn't fit in this box isn't really scriptural. Is this fair? It said this, and, and, meaning after you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is always to draw people to God and to repentance. People go, well, what about people who pray in the Spirit? Well, it's, it's always over something the Holy Spirit's trying to do. What about, man, I just, have you ever just been doing something? You're like, oh, I feel like God was nudging me to do this. That's the Holy Spirit. And here's what you got to understand. Can we talk about how the Holy Spirit works real quick? Can I volunteer? Uh, come on up here. I'll take, a, I'll take a ting quickly. Now, this is going to be a little violent, but turn around. I have, no, it's okay. I have the ability to shove her. I outweigh her probably two or three times. Fair enough? You give her the thumbs up. Yes, he does. He's, he's fat. Okay, so, so I have the ability just by sheer force to throw her around anywhere I want to. But because of my love for her, I won't make her do anything. Right? But I would look at her and go, hey, you may want to go talk to her. And she can listen or not listen. She's 18. She can do what she wants to. Fair enough. I may even walk by again and go, hey, I don't know if you heard me, but you go around and talk to her. But after two or three times of saying it, what are you going to do? You're just going to leave her alone. People go, well, when God makes me do it, I'll know it's God. God is never going to make you do anything. How awkward would this be? You can be seated. Can you imagine? Now, here's the thing. The Holy Spirit's invisible. Can you imagine what that would look like? <laughs> Ain't nobody listening to Jack you have to say. But what happens if this? What happens if you said, God, I'm going to begin to try to listen to your still small voice that just whispers into my ear and into my heart. And here's what God promises. He said, and, and after the, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive power to be my witnesses and into all the earth. 
So what happens is a lot of times we're like, well, I would witness to him, but I don't know what I would do or what I would say or how I would handle it. And what God's saying is this, is that if you can learn to listen to the still small voice that leads you to them, I'll give you the words that will lead them to me. Because it's by my power that people are saved, never by yours. All I'm looking for you to be is the vessel that I can move through. So, so, so when we say we're that church, here's the church we are. We're going to be the church that says this is a place you can come to know God. You may not accept Him, but we're going to make sure you know the real Jesus. A Jesus that, that doesn't mind if you laugh and doesn't mind if you cry and doesn't mind your mess and doesn't mind the hurdles that you bring and the challenges that you bring. Because here's what He said in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. He said this, And He said to him. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send labors into the harvest. Can I be honest with you? The world's not changing because we ain't working. The world isn't changing because we're not working. God said this, He said, yeah, I, I talk to people all the time and they're like, man, I, I wrestle with my, with my calling. And I'm like, no, you wrestle with your doing. You're running from your calling. I just feel like something should change. <laughs> change it. I love it when people come up to me with ideas. Like, Pastor, you know what we could do? I'm like, hey, you want to head it up? Yep. Oh no, I was just saying that's what we could do. <laughs> Don't bring it to me because I'll make you over it. I'm like, sounds to me like you need to develop a core of volunteers, a strategic plan of how it works under making Jesus famous, how we teach people to know, grow, and go through it. You do that and we'll go do it, but you're going to head it up. I got enough. Here's the thing. Are you going to answer the call? Are, are you going to be part of the solution? Or are you going to stand on the sideline and wish somebody did something? I was watching some cop videos this week. and Have you ever seen when, when, when citizens come to the aid of a cop? It's one of my favorite ones. Like, like there was this female cop trying to arrest this guy. and He, was, he had her just way outweighed. And this big old fat dude. He ain't seen a gym since Jimmy Hoffa was alive. You know what I'm talking about? But big boy came trucking into screen and his stomach was doing this. Like he was, but Bo, he hit that boy. And I guarantee you he didn't wake up till Christmas. Because he just, he trucked him. He just, he never even lit up. He didn't ask her if it was okay. He just came in and bam, fat boy meets, meets, meets little man. And she cuffed him and, he, and he, he laid on him to back up, got there. I'm like, come on, Shamu. Because you know what? He wasn't the dude you want sprinting after a criminal. But he's big enough to he was big enough to truck a man. You know what I found? He saw a need and he answered it with what he had. Didn't have a gun, but he had some mass. Do you know what? I, I guarantee you this. I guarantee you that that somebody that week had said some joke to him about being large, not realizing that maybe he was carrying some extra mass. Because God had a purpose for it. Could it be that you have stuff inside of you that you've always counted as a deficit? That this is the season God's wanting to teach you how to use it? 
that there's some things spiritually speaking that God wants you to truck through and some people that He wants you to help that are wrestling with something. And it's not about the content of what you know. It's just sharing what you do know. You don't have to know bowls and scrolls and revelation to share Jesus. You just got to know Jesus. This week I'm going to be posting some stuff every couple of days about about the reality of who Jesus is. But here's what I want you to know is that you do have a call. You do have a job to do. And you do have a world to change. Now how can you do it? First of all, the easiest way, at the back of our church, I think it's at the back of the church, at the welcome tent, there are like 9,000 cards, invitation cards. Grab a handful of them. Stick them in your wallet. Stick them in your purse. Just start inviting people to church. What if they don't come? What if they do? Look, I bought 9,000 cards. I bought them for like half a penny a piece. We can afford to lose them. Because here's the thing. They may shove it in their purse and not find it again until they need it. My job is not to figure out what's harvested. My job is to go to the field and start cutting things. The second thing you can do, man, what would happen if you used the influence in the world that you live in? What if you used that influence to bring somebody to church? What if you just decide, I'm going to invite a family member or a friend every week and see how many of my family and friends I can get coming here. Second thing, you'll love church a whole lot more because all your friends will be here. And if it's somebody you don't like, invite them to the service you don't go to. What if this, what if you decided... Don't tell me you wouldn't do it. <laughs> Look, I really think you'd like 11 o'clock. Um, what, what if you, at your job, anybody, don't raise your hand to this, but if you struggle with some of the people you work with, you know it. That's everybody. A lot of the reasons we struggle with people that we work with is because we don't see the world through the same lens. Well, what if instead of complaining to your husband or your wife every night about the people you work with, what if you decided to do something about it and try to get them to come with you to church so that God could change their heart and mind so that you guys could co-labor together well? Last but not least, what if you decided to invite the strangers that come into your life? I love inviting random people to church. I'll invite people, I'll invite restaurant servers coffee people. You want to mess somebody up, give somebody the biggest tip they've had all day and then invite them to church. There's a sense of obligation there. But will I pay you to come to church? Yeah. Yeah. Is it worth 15 bucks when I tip the chicks at, at, at Big B? And then hand them a come, come, come with me to church card? Yeah. Do they come? Not yet. But I'm going to hand them a card every time and I'm going to tip them big. Does this make any sense? We've got a waitress who, at a particular restaurant who loves us. We took her church shirt. We, we've taken her car. We've done all this. And she's like, oh, we just, I love y'all. Y'all are so cool. If I ever get a Sunday off, I'm coming. I said, well, I'm going to keep inviting you until I see you. And when you do, I want you to sit with my wife. I want you down front. Just hang out with us. I want you to be like a member of our family. Would you do that? Y'all are so sweet. Well, I know. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what if you did that? Hey, I want you to sit with my family because, man, we, you know what I'm saying? And maybe you give them the family that they've really been missing. Maybe you give them that connection to God that they've really been missing. Because at the end of the day, it's about making Jesus famous. It's about fulfilling that great commission of going into all the world and telling people about Him. What they do with Him, man, that's on them. Man, our job is to love regardless of, 
because uh, in November, I'm really hoping Jesus comes back for November because I don't want to deal with another election. I'm just, can I be honest? But Republicans and Democrats will be in heaven. Independents will be in heaven. Believe this or not, people from other churches will be in heaven. Not everybody there is going to be us. I don't want you shocked. But here's what I want to do. I want to make sure as few people can end up going to hell. Because that's an eternity of torment. Not my worst enemy do I hate enough to send him or her to that place. So I have to do everything I can to affect it. So if you want to know what kind of church we are, we're that church that will pull out every plug to keep people from hell. Does that mean we're, we're going to do some stuff different? Yeah, if we're going to do stuff like every other church, let's go join them. But I believe that God called us to a unique ministry in this culture. So as we, as we close, can we just pray together? First of all, if you're here or you're watching online and you go, you know what, Pastor? I'm here, but man, I am far away from Jesus. If you're here and you go, man, maybe for the first time or maybe you've walked away, but you're like, I need to give my life to Jesus. Will you just slip your hand up? We just want to pray with you. Thank you so much. Can we, can we just pray together? Dear Heavenly Father, right now I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I just say this? One of the reasons that we pray that prayer every week is one, what if somebody won't raise their hand because they're embarrassed? Two, what if it comes your time to lead somebody to Jesus and you don't remember what to say? But you've prayed it with me every day for 52 weeks. It'll begin to come out of your mouth before you even realize it. Maybe you'll miss a little section. It'll be all right. Here's the question. When you accept Jesus, is it about getting every piece of the framework right or is it about their heart of repentance towards God? What I try to do is teach a baseline because I think this. I think more people will be won to Jesus by you than by this platform. And when you catch on to that, when you catch on to not only do I go to that church, I'm that person you'll start to change the world around you. Let's pray. Father, as we prepare to worship and head out into our parts of the world, Father, I, I just ask that in those moments, God, and in these moments, God, that you make us aware, God, of what you've called us to. God, to be witnesses in all parts of the earth so that people far away from you can come to know you. God, I just ask that you open our hearts and lives to a mission that you've created for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.